So we are now going to turn to the book of Romans. If you have your Bible app and you want to open up your Bible app to Romans chapter 12, even better, if you brought your Bible, you can open, up, open that up to Romans chapter 12. Before I dive into this, while you're opening up your Bibles, I promised that I would share a little bit about myself each week during these first weeks uh, that I'm up here on the platform. And, and this morning I was thinking about this message and I realized Dustin gave me a very difficult message to preach. Thanks, brother. <laughs> but in one way, he also gave me a message that's very fitting for me to preach. And that's because I was raised, in, raised by Southerners. My dad was from Louisiana, and my mom was from northeastern Kentucky. Uh, if any of you have ever heard of Ashland, Kentucky, I recently discovered that I can go down to Union Station, get on a train, and ride the train directly to Ashland, Kentucky. So I'm pretty excited about that. I might try that one of these days. It's been a while since I've been back to see my, my mom's side of the family. If you know anything about that region, it's oil and coal and hillbillies. Lots and lots of hillbillies. If you've ever heard of the massive feuds between, say, the Hatfields and the McCoys, that's that area. They came from right there. So these people knew how to hold a grudge. That's my mom's side of the family. Taking the high road? Nah, that wasn't for them. <laughs> Not at all. The low road was their familiar territory, and I got to see a little bit of that kind of attitude, if you want to call it, when I was growing up from my mom. So I'm excited to present this to you, but also because my dear mom also taught me a lot of hillbilly lessons, and one that you might be familiar with. You know, hillbillies, they have a lot of little sayings and proverbs. One of them is, two wrongs, do you want to help me finish this? Two wrongs don't make a right. My mom said that to me many times because I was always trying to write things with a second wrong. And she would say, remember what I tried to teach you. Two wrongs don't make a right. And really today's message is going to be a, a lot like that. And, and I want to tell you why I said Dustin gave me a difficult message. It, if you hadn't heard already what this message was about, and I just got up here and I said, I've got one of the most difficult messages to preach that there is. You would have thought, oh, he's got the money message today. <laughs> or maybe the sex message today, right? We'll have those in the future. But that's not today. You know what? This is far more difficult than either of those messages because you know what this message is? It's the forgiveness message. And there is nothing more difficult than to be told to be gracious when you've just been persecuted and hurt and beaten up. Or maybe not just, maybe many years ago, decades ago even. And there's still that thought in your heart of this is how that person treated me and I don't know how I'm ever ever going to get over it. 
But can I tell you that that life of holding a grudge and harboring anger and unforgiveness in your heart, if you don't know it, it's a heavy life. It's the hardest life. Psychologists, some of them estimate that 85% of all depression comes from grudge holding. Can you imagine that? 8.5 cases out of 10 of depression are caused by holding a grudge, by not being able to let go of the hurt and the anger that you've experienced in the past. Unforgiveness is a heavy life, but we're humans, and we are turned into ourselves. And so when we're hurt, the most natural reaction in the world is to say, I need my pound of flesh. Somebody just took a chunk out of my heart, out of me, and I need to make sure that person knows how badly they hurt me. I need to have things made right before I can move on. So today's message, if you're there, if you've ever been there, is going to be, just brace yourself. Because it's going to be difficult. And I will share with you, due to that hillbilly upbringing, preaching this message is not all that easy for me either because I've held my grudges. I've been angry and struggled at times to release that hurt and that anger that I've experienced. So all of that as a preamble to the words you're about to hear. We're in the book of Romans. I'll explain a little bit about that uh, in a moment. But let's rise and hear what Paul has to say. Romans chapter 12. Again, it's in your program if you want to follow along. Make sure I'm not making this up. Paul writes, he's writing to a congregation in Rome that he's never visited. So he's saying these very difficult words to people that most of whom, maybe all of whom he's never met before. But look, look at what he says. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> what? What? Already, you know what I'm thinking? This is not possible. Well, it's just beginning. You're, you're going to have that thought again and again. Not possible, not possible, not possible. All right, I'll, I'll shut up and read it. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And the most important verse in the whole text, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Please sit down, we'll say a prayer. Father, if there's a Sunday where we need the presence of your spirit, it's, it's today. We're about to embark on a wrestling match with you, Lord. 
And like Jacob, we know that we can't win. You are the almighty God. And at the same time, Lord, we don't want to lose this battle as you urge us to take the high road, to rise above our hurt and our anger and live the way your son Jesus lived, even when he hung on a cross, to not turn inward in our pain and our frustration and our anger, but to, to stay turned upward to you in worship and devotion and stay turned outward to those who need your grace and your love and sometimes the only way they're going to be introduced to your grace and love is to see it through us lord this will be a difficult message for all of us but we seek your grace and your wisdom and most of all a double portion of your spirit as we listen to it this morning amen so you can only understand this verse if you understand some context. I think you know and you've been taught by Pastor Dustin before that if you isolate verses and just take them, they can so easily get taken out of context. And it would be easy to take the passages that I just read to you and turn them into some sort of checklist and go, here's your guide for how to deal with conflict and the aftermath of a big blow-up when you're hurt and upset, and let's see, am I doing this, 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 and this? It would be easy to turn it into a checklist, but that's not what it's intended to be. It is a beautiful guide. I won't take away from that. But first of all, we need to understand that God has already taken care of the checklist. And if you go to Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul goes on for 11 full chapters saying, and this is how God has taken care of all the checklists for you. He died for you. He rose for you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul says. But then he goes on to say, but there is one who has come to be righteous and give his righteousness to you to declare you righteous in the sight of God. You are forgiven. You are saved. You are in a position like no other. You are, as we've already sung today, a dearly loved child of God. And if you noticed how that song is so beautifully put together, I want to recall it back to you. You also sang, as a child of God, I am free. Free how? Free from being controlled by Satan. Free from constantly carrying around burdens of guilt and worse, maybe shame over all the sins you've committed, all the mistakes you've made. Your history no longer defines you, God says. You're free from whatever has happened in your past, what you've done to hurt others, what others have done to hurt you. Now, here's the issue, though, with the first 11 chapters. You know why Paul goes on and on and on for 11 chapters before he gets to chapter 12, the one we're in today? Because it's so hard for us to believe it. And so he, he looks at it first from one angle and then from another and then from another and then from another. So he covers all the bases and says, there, do you see it now? God really means it. We're forgiven. We're graced. We're children of God. Can you possibly believe that? If you can, then go on to chapter 12. And you'll only believe it with the help of the Holy Spirit because 
with all our being, we constantly want to do what Luther says we want to do as fallen sinners, turn inward to ourselves, be selfish, be self-centered. And, and at no other point is that a bigger problem to solve than when we've been hurt. Because pain, burn your hand on a stove. I think you might be focused on your hand for a little while until the pain dies down at least a bit. Sin, this is why God warned Adam and Eve, please don't sin or else you'll die. And dying is painful. So few people just die in their sleep. So few. And even if they do die in their sleep, they've usually gone through a long process of years of dying. I'm dying right now. One of the signs of it was about five, six years ago, I had to have back surgery. When I was young, I didn't need back surgery. I was really flexible. Now, if you watch me carefully, you're like, he looks a little old up there. Because I am. <laughs> and, and so, God takes all of this and he says, I have a better way. Trust Jesus. Trust his love. Let him be your savior in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will be. And he'll save you for eternity. And he'll walk with you now. And so as we look at this, it's so important that we see this in the light of those first in those first 11 chapters. If we don't see it in the light of that, we won't get. So now Paul says... In chapter 12, here's how I want you to walk in this newfound freedom that you have. And if you have your Bible, your Bible app, I'm just going to read, it's not going to be up on the screen. I want you to hear this verse from early on in the chapter, 12 verse 2. He says, freedom looks like this. Forgiveness, living in your forgiveness and waking up every morning and receiving God's grace looks like this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's huge, huge. And why is it huge? Robert Cialdini is a professor at ASU, Arizona State University. And he uh, is um, a professor of psychology and has written a brilliant book called Persuasion. And it's, it's a book mainly intended for people who, who need, for whatever their profession is, maybe it's marketing, maybe they're in law, to be able to persuade others of things. And he lays out these principles of persuasion and he says, the one that you absolutely have to know that will kick the butt of all the other principles that I'm going to put in this book, number one, the highest and most important principle, the entire world operates on this principle, is the law of reciprocity. I love long words. What in the world is the law of reciprocity? It just means this, tit for tat. You do something to me, you do something nice. I feel obligated to do something nice 
back to you to say thank you. You do something mean, I feel obligated to what? Help me. Reciprocate. Cialdini did all this research. He said, it doesn't matter what culture, what part of the world you live in. He, he dug back into history. This is a law that the universe operates on, Cialdini says. Now do you get when Paul says this is probably just one part of it? But Cialdini calls it maybe the most important part. He, when Paul says don't operate according to the pattern of this world, Cialdini t tells us one big important part of this pattern. The pattern of the world is the law of reciprocity. And Paul is saying, as you live free, live free from the law of reciprocity. Don't be bound by it like all the rest of the world is. If somebody does something kind to you, yeah, you, you can do something kind back to them to say thank you if you'd like, but you don't have to feel like it is this tug. Maybe somebody wants to just grace you. Have you ever had that happen on the positive side? Where you gave something to somebody and you didn't want them really to say thank you or do anything. You just wanted to bless them. And then in a way that kind of spoiled it by feeling obligated to say thank you. Jesus says we're free from that. Not that it's a bad thing to say thank you and reciprocate. I'm not advocating that. But at the same time, it's okay if you don't do it each and every time. The bigger side is the other side. The law of reciprocity for the times when, <laughs> when you've been mistreated. And I'm guessing that if we wanted to spend all of the rest of Sunday here, maybe some of you would like to do this. You, we can vote. If you'd like to spend the rest of Sunday here with me, just raise your hand right now. <laughs> Dustin, thank you. I could make it easy and probably even a little entertaining by just saying, I want each of you to tell me a story of a time when you were badly hurt. You all have them because you're living in a fallen world. You're a fallen person, but so especially are the others around you, right? Like there are people, don't look to the left or right right now, who have really ticked you off. Let's just admit it. There are people, again, no glancing sideways, who regularly tick you off. And you have to decide what to do with that. And, and here's what we're saying today. Rise above. With the Lord's help, bathed in the grace, Jesus rose above on the cross. And he rose above on the cross, not just by hanging there on the cross, but by looking around and saying, how can I honor God from this crucifixion? How can I bless and love others with my hands and feet nailed to this cross? In my pain, when I'm most tempted to think of myself, because Jesus was human, right? True God, but also true man. And we know he was tempted in all things, just like we are. And yet he never once sinned. He thought of you. 
he thought of that thief. He thought of the very people who were crucifying him, and, and he forgave them. Take a look at what Paul writes just before the verses we read earlier. Here's what the high road <laughs> looks like. And, and you can look at this and go, oh, I see now why the high road has less traffic. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Oh, yeah, those are all easy. Check, check, check. Not. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I especially love to do that. Just ask Julia. Like, yeah, I like to honor her above myself at all times. You can talk to her about that afterwards. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Oh, and patience is another one of my great qualities, just so you know. Faithful in prayer. Whew. It's a great guide. But what it really is, is an x-ray machine. The author to the Hebrews says God's word cuts down into the very joints, into the sinews, the muscle of our heart. Back in the day, Luther said the law is a mirror. Now we don't have to say it's a mirror because we can describe it better as an x-ray that looks deep inside of us and points out how we are, really. And again, this is the beauty of being a Christian. It really is. It's painful. It's not fun. But it's real. Don't be a Christian if you don't want to be real. With yourself, about yourself. And about the world that you live in. You're just going to set yourself up for daily pain if you want to continue to go through life thinking, well, people are basically good. Bar of expectation, I think I pointed this out to you several weeks ago, right? If your expectation is this world that I'm living in is a, a bed of roses, it's a garden, it's beautiful, everybody's going to treat, treat me well and nice and kind, and then reality of every day comes in down here, remember what this was? That's your degree of emotional pain. Just so difficult to live in the world when you're expecting anything other than Yes, God gives us these things to do and we will never, ever be able to complete them. Now, with the Holy Spirit, if we live in our freedom that God has given us, can we start down the road? With God's help, can we take some steps and take a high road rather than a low road? The answer, beautifully, is yes. That's part of the gospel, is that God empowers us. Once we recognize that we are broken people living in a broken world, the gospel tells us, but I've healed you. I'm healing you. And we can live in this. And, and in that way, we can say, and you can write this down in your notes, the high road is marked by a devotion to loving others sincerely and serving the Lord fervently. Notice what that is? That is 180 degree opposite from thinking about yourself. 
It is 180 degrees from me, 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 me. It is, think about the Lord and think about the people that the Lord has placed in my orbit. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, I'm not going to reread necessarily all these passages. But those passages I did read to you, 14 through 20, and if you want to look at them, remember they're right here. You'll see that these correspond exactly to what Paul is saying in 14 to 20. And what he gives us is the roadmap to taking the high road, to rising above. And we need that roadmap because, as I just said, there's not a lot of traffic on the high road. The law of reciprocity means most of us are taking the low road. And most of the people that we live among are taking the low road. They're going to give you evil for evil and good for good. But this is what the high road looks like. A funny story, big five, not sporting goods, but definitely the goods. On yesterday, I was doing a little bit of research on that little, which I thought was so cute and so amazing and so funny. Big five, not sporting goods. And so I'm like, okay, I've got to figure out where the Big Five Sporting Goods is in the Chicagoland area. Maybe they've got one in, you know, just north of here, you know. Um, maybe there's even one here somewhere in Frankfurt. And, and then I looked for Big Five Sporting Goods in Chicago. Nothing came up. So Google Maps is fantastic. I, I, I brought it out a little bit further. There's got to be one somewhere in, in, in Illinois. Nope. The closest Big Five sporting goods store, which Julie and I are so familiar with, is in Colorado, in Denver. So it's not very cute when you bring in illustration that no one here knows what a Big Five sporting goods store is. So let me tell you what a Big Five sporting goods store is. A Big Five sporting goods is this huge superstore of sporting goods. There, now you know. What Paul is laying out for us, <laughs> this is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Uh, one day I will call Amazing Love Crosswalk and you'll all chuckle, but let me just warn you, it'll probably happen one of these days when my guard is down. But here's the deal. Think of each of these five points as a huge store of blessing for you, that, that Paul gives us Five ways to receive so many, not sporting goods, but blessings from God if we will take this high road. So number one, verse 14, you can read it yourself. I won't read it again. Bless the person who makes me suffer. Write that down. Are you ready to do that? The person who made you suffer. Take a moment. Call that person's face up right now. Am I ready to bless him or her? Think about it. Number two, empathize with those God places in my orbit. Paul puts it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be sad and mourn with those who mourn. Right? Do you have it in you sometimes when someone comes to you and they're uber happy? This just happened. To not try to top them with your own story of how much you've been blessed? Don't you love talking to that person who always has to top you? Oh yeah, you had that happen. Let me tell you about the time it happened to me. Right? 
Paul says, just listen. And then if it's something good, clap, smile, give them a hug. And if they're sad, listen, empathize, affirm. Maybe you could say something like, I think, I think if that happened to anybody, I know if it happened to me, I'd feel devastated, right? So empathize with those God places in my orbit. orbit. Make harmony my relational vision. That is not easy for all of us. I am not a high harmony person because I'm a big believer in telling the truth. Well, when you're a big believer in telling the truth, there's been movies made about this, like Jim Carrey movies made about this. If you're a big believer in telling the truth, you can cause a lot of disharmony, right? But Paul also says, speak the truth in love in the book of Ephesians. So make harmony. How can I tell this truth in a way that preserves harmony? Is there a way to do that? Verse 16 says, take God seriously myself. Not so much. Part of the issue that we all struggle with since, as Luther says, we're churned in on ourselves, that's what the essence of sin is, that's what sin means, is to take ourselves way too seriously, to be self-important, to need to get, 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 and be like a black hole that constantly is sucking in the universe around me because I have such big needs. That's what sin looks like. That's what Luther is telling us. And, and Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Don't need all the time. Be prepared to give and grace and do and share. Take God seriously, myself not so much. And then, oh, <laughs> oh I love this one. Let God deliver the payback. Like, there's a bunch of verses on that at the end of this. Do you remember them? And I will tell you, I think this is the secret to letting go. When you let go of hurt and anger and pain, you're not just letting it drop to the ground. I want you to have this image in your mind. It's such an important image. When someone has hurt you, and you've determined I'm going to forgive it, you're not just going and letting it roll away. What Paul is saying is you're giving it to God. Because frankly, deciding what the proper revenge or justice or reciprocity is, is far above your pay grade, far above my pay grade. Have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? Do you think you've ever been hurt by a person who was hurt before he hurt you? This is why it's above our pay grade to decide on the payback, to decide what justice is in any given situation when we've been angered or hurt because we don't know the whole story. Only God knows the whole story. 
And so letting go of our anger and our hurt, the most important thing you can remember is let it go by giving it to God and saying, it's in your hands now, Lord. And I'm, I'm going to, with the Holy Spirit's help, let it stay there and be satisfied. Be satisfied with what you decide to do with it. So on the road, write this down, there are five ways to walk. Five ways. Bless the person who makes me suffer. You can start by just praying for them. Empathize with those God places in my orbit. Make harmony my relational vision. Take God seriously, myself not so much. Let God deliver the payback. What God is encouraging you and me to do is to have relationships that are not transactional. I give you this, you give me that, but transformational. And do you, do you want to live a fun, adventurous life? Make one decision. I'm going to live a life that is not transactional but transformational. I'm going to be the guy who always takes the first step. Do you ever go into, like, you can practice this in little ways. Let me give you a small way. Next time you're in CVS or Walgreens or whatever, and you're buying something, and you walk in there, and the, uh, the checker or the person doesn't say hi to you, looks a little grumpy, here's what I want you to do, just to practice this principle of don't wait until they greet you, which, they, of course, they're supposed to do. They've been trained in their Walgreens store, greet every customer when he comes through the door or she comes through the door. Make them feel welcome. And you know that doesn't always happen. Well, here's a way to practice transformational living. Greet them first. How's your day? You doing all right? Everything going well? Hope you have a great day. That's just a little practice exercise. And then you can expand that into your married life, your, your child-raising life, your neighbor. You know, I had a neighbor one time that was, my kids called him the shirtless guy. <laughs> because he was a grumpy old tennis pro. Had never had any children, so didn't know how children behaved, apparently. Maybe he never gave tennis lessons to kids. And so every time they'd be out on the street or anywhere where they were in earshot of him, he would grump at them. So he won the name Shirtless Guy, which we, of course, Julie especially, because she's a better mom than I am a dad, tried to stop that naming. But the Shirtless Guy just was grumpy. So we had to teach them, be kind to him, even though he's being grumpy to you, right? So you can, you can do this and always live transformationally, not transactionally. All right, final point. Jesus was a victor over the evil in us. Now we can be victors over evil, not victims, and overcome evil too. Paul says it this way, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that reference is wrong. That should say Romans 12, 21. It's the last verse in today's message. God has provided you the victory at the open tomb. 
That's what you have. That's what you've been given. You are. Whether you believe it or not, whether you want it or not, whether you want to live in it or not, the open tomb means one simple thing. None of us is victims anymore. None of us has to live as a victim anymore. We are victors in Christ. And one of the ways we can experience victory and freedom is, is to live as if the gospel is really true and then love others the way Jesus has loved us first. And that's really what rising above means. That's what the high road looks like, is just taking everything Jesus has given us. So imagine it this. He's, he's bringing stuff in, and he's laying it at our feet. And we're like, oh my, what? This is better than a million Christmases. And look, it's all facing me. That means it's all for me. And you're right, it is all for you. And then what the believer does is going, but I, I, it's too much just for me. I can't. Well, I will, but I can't. And the believer then just takes all this blessing, all this grace, all this forgiveness, and one by one takes those gifts and begins to turn them around and put a new label on them. That one's for Dustin. That one's for Jordan. And on and on until from us, now these gifts are going out. That's what freedom looks like. That's what the high road looks like. So when you're crucified by someone, that gift that Jesus gave you of looking at you and saying, yeah, I'm up here because of your sins, but I forgive you. You're one of those who didn't really know what you were doing to me, so I forgive you. You're a, you're a thief of my grace, but that's okay because I'm your Savior. Yes, that's a sin, so it's not okay, but yes, it's okay because of my grace. And you're forgiven, and you will be with me in paradise. And then we take that, and we turn it around, and we say, let when I'm hanging on a cross persecuted, I want to live my life freely just like Jesus did. He didn't feel bound to curse them, to punish them. He acted completely different than the law of reciprocity. Here's what you want to write down. Jesus, we saw it so clearly in that scene at the cross. Jesus overcame the evil in me. Filled with his spirit, I can thank him best by breaking the cycle of evil in my world. That's the better way. That's the superior way. We are on a mission with Jesus to fight evil all the way by taking the high road when someone has hurt or angered. What's your next step today? I have a very simple, plain little next step before we pray. I want you to think about a person that's hurt you in the past and say a little prayer for them. I'll give you a moment to do that. Let's pray, and then I'm going to give you just a quick moment to do that. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for this truth, this hard truth. Lord, sometimes I, I admit, sometimes when I listen to these truths, I feel like you're asking me to be a doormat. 
I feel like this message, Lord, and I, I need your help. I, need to, I know I need to repent of this and believe the freedom you've given me, but Lord, I, I struggle with these feelings inside of me that you're asking me just to take it all the time and be okay with getting beaten up on again and again and again. Lord, you're my loving Father. I know that can't be what you mean for me. Help me to trust that you love me, that when I do hand my hurt and my anger to you, you will, because you, you have earned that position above my pay grade, you will deal with it the way it needs to be dealt with. Meanwhile, Lord, send me your spirit so that I can walk on that high road in the way that you have called me to walk as you yourself, your son Jesus, walked. In Jesus' name, I pray it. Amen. Now let me give you a moment of silence, just real quick. Say a little prayer for that person that you're struggling with right now.